Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 6. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Dark Paranormal, Season 6. We're already at our penultimate episode for this season, episode number 9. Of course, this season we focused on famous paranormal experiences... And today, we have one of the most famous paranormal experiences in the history of paranormality. It's a case which has had more than its fair share of debunkers and attacks, and it would be wrong of me not to state that at the start. However, I believe that no matter how fancifully a cake is decorated, there still needs to be a cake for the decorations to sit upon. By that, I mean regardless of which version of events you believe, what cannot be disputed is there is something taking place at the property. But before we fly headlong into today's exceptionally well-known case, I just need to make a couple of quick announcements. As you may well have picked up, we alternate seasons from famous stories and cases to listener stories. Personally, the listener stories are my absolute favourite. We've already received some utterly terrifying stories from you, the listener, but we can always receive more. If you have a paranormal experience that you think would suit the dark paranormal, please send it to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. And secondly, of course, we need to thank the people who make this show possible our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you also receive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites runs each and every week, even on the downtime in between seasons. Of course, we have a break coming up between Season 6 and Season 7, but our Patreons will have an uninterrupted broadcast of dark paranormal material via Dark Bites. 
there is over 50 episodes of Dark Bites for you to binge at your leisure. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on our Patreon page. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like these wonderful new team members have. Rachel Carroll, Kimgo Coggins, Billy Allen, Lucy, Melanie Eldred, Gabby Coleman, Namo Asada Monkel, Ryan Henderson, Lou Stevens, Amelia Brooks, Lil Uncone 33, Alex Stride, Eric Rawls, Jade Brana, Helena Johnson, Gemma with a J, Denise Goodnight, Mallory, and Crystal Gomez. Thank you so much, guys. Your support literally allows the show to continue. And of course, you'll have those Dark Bites episodes during the upcoming season break. Once again, to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Now, at the start of this season, I asked for recommendations of what you would like to see in terms of the famous cases covered in season six. Our top requested paranormal experience will be covered in our season finale next week. However, our second most requested paranormal experience to receive the dark paranormal treatment is what you're about to hear right now. This is the story of The Conjuring House. It's the 1800s, at a farm in Rhode Island. The farmhouse is dwarfed by the surrounding acres of land, and in a barn to the east, the lady of the house is remembering her recently deceased husband, Mr. Arnold was a good man. No, he was the best man, his wife thought as she fiddled with the joist. She paused and looked out through the open hatch in the barn roof. It was a hazy autumnal evening. He loved this time of day, how the sun cast its long shadows over the farmland. That strange gloaming time, where the atmosphere feels like a warm blanket and time itself seems fleeting. There, she said, giving one final talk to make sure it would all hold. Then, with a smile on her face, she placed the noose around her neck and stepped off the walkway. The car trundled slowly down the stony road. Roger didn't want to miss the turn onto the estate like he'd done the first time they viewed the property, and the second time, and the third trees lined either side of the road. If you look to your right, you'll see the house peeking out through the trees, said his excited wife. I know, I know, he replied, still concentrating on making the turn. This wasn't a begrudged house move for Roger, more of an anxious one. You see, this house was an inch too much in the out-of-your-price-range category for his liking. But his wife and kids loved it, especially his daughter Andrea. Some risks are just worth taking, he thought. Relieved at making the turn, he slowed the car down to a crawl as it made its way up the drive towards the giant yew tree and the huge farmhouse behind. The path seemed shorter than last time when they met the previous owners. The memory also reminded him of the brief conversation that he had with them and there parting words through a seemingly forced smile. Oh, maybe don't turn the lights off at night. The car came to a stop, 
and the family of seven exited at different speeds, the children much more eager than the parents after such a long drive. Mum, I think I love it now more than I did when we first came to see it, said the little girl to her mother. Her mother, Caroline, smiled and nodded as she took in the sprawling estate. She looked over the top of the car to her husband, Roger, who, despite knowing that the house had almost financially crippled them, returned the smile to his wife. Cost aside, this was what he'd always wanted for his family. He turned to face his five daughters. Come on then, kids, grab your things and let's go inside. And so, on that cold January in 1970, the Perron family took residence in the 240-year-old 14-room colonial farmhouse, previously known as the Arnold Estate. The 14-room home, given the space, was not only quick to move into, but also quick to feel a home in. All of their boxes and clutter from the smaller house easily packed away and out of sight. And for the first few weeks, the house felt nothing but welcoming and homely. One afternoon, Caroline had just finished brushing the kitchen floor, and, picking up her coffee, she walked over to the kitchen window to look out across the acres of... A noise made her ears prick up. Turning towards the sound, she furrowed her eyes to try and hear the sound more intently. It was the kettle. Something behind the kettle, seemingly scraping against it. Oh, not mice, she muttered under her breath. The noise seemed to grow quieter as she approached the kettle. It dawned on her that the sound was coming from within the metal kettle. Lifting it up to inspect... She took a deep breath and removed the lid. Nothing. Not only was there nothing within the kettle, but there was also nothing around. A loud single brush sound came from behind her, causing her to jump. Spinning around, again there was not... No. Wait. She crouched and looked closer. There, in the centre of the kitchen floor, was a pile of dirt seemingly brushed into a small, neat tower. Puzzled, she reached for the broom to clean up the part she'd evidently missed, but her hand met nothing but air. The broom was nowhere to be seen. Caroline stormed into the living room. Girls, you better knock it off, the lot of you! Shaking her head, she returned to the kitchen, only to find the broom now laying flat next to the small dirt pile. Nancy walked in the kitchen, fixing herself a glass of water. Nancy, did you just take this broom now? Nancy shook her head as she gulped down the drink. No, and why were you shouting we're all laying on our beds? Have you seen something too? she asked. What do you mean something too? Well, Andrea reckons she saw an old lady as soon as she walked in the house. Oh, and Cindy thinks she's seen an old guy in a suit, looking at us in the bedroom. Oh, right, and you're just telling me this now, replied a frustrated Caroline. Well, it's all nonsense, Mum, shrugged Nancy. But the shiver down Caroline's spine told her it was something more. The next day, the whole house felt cold, but it seemed much more than a reduction in temperature. 
It was as if a thin membrane of ice-cold anxiety had coated every room. Caroline reached her hand out and noticed there was no heat coming from the vent. Well, there's a simple reason behind that at least, she tried to convince herself. The boiler's just gone out in the basement. She gave herself a little shake to try and remove some of the rising fear. Come on, Caroline, you're being stupid. It's the middle of the day, she muttered to herself. She walked briskly to the small area under the staircase and opened the door to the basement. Reaching her hand in to pull the light cord, she stopped. The light bulb came on, but it illuminated nothing. It was as if darkness was fighting with the attempt to illuminate the surroundings and was winning. Although she couldn't see more than a foot into the darkness, she got the uneasy sensation that there were eyes on her from the darkness. No, Roger can deal with this. I'd sooner be cold, she thought. Later, Roger returned from work, walking through the door and removing his coat. He looked around and noticed his wife and kids all wearing their winter jackets in the living room. What gives? he asked. It's colder in here than out there. Caroline, without going into too much detail, simply said she didn't know where the boiler was to relight. Roger pulled a face. You do? You were with me when... He sighed and shrugged. It doesn't matter. I'll go and relight it. Turning on the light and heading down into the basement, Roger muttered to himself, Honestly, I don't see how she forgot where this was. Maybe it was his eyes but the light bulb didn't seem to illuminate much at all. Fumbling on a shelf, he found and turned on the flashlight, crouching to get a better look at the lighting mechanism. Finding the small ignition switch, he reached his arm through. There it is, he said as he stretched. He checked, still not lit. He reached through again, but as he did so, the main bulb in the basement fizzed out leaving the flashlight as the only source of illumination. Roger paused, realising that if the flashlight followed suit, he would soon be in complete and utter darkness. Hedging his bets, he decided it would... (laughs) It would be... (laughs) What on earth was that rancid smell? He rose to his feet, covering his mouth. He'd lived rurally enough in his youth to recognise the smell of an animal's rotting carcass. And it was this smell. Although, this was the worst he'd ever smelt. Maybe a raccoon had got trapped or similar, he thought, shining his torch around to try and find the offending corpse. He froze. He knew. He just knew. Someone was stood behind him. He could sense the loss of sound caused from whatever it was that had took up residence right behind him. He could feel the coldness of its breath on his neck. He spun around, but there was nothing. Just the emptiness of the dirt-floored basement behind him. Roger jumped at the sound of the boiler, clicking itself back into life. 
let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You did? You're a liar. I didn't. I didn't do anything. Girls, what's this all about? Shouted Caroline as she burst into the girls' room and pulled Nancy and Cindy apart. She's hidden my diary, cried Nancy. Mum, I haven't, I promise, replied Cindy in earnest. Caroline had enough on her plate. She didn't need this nonsense on top. She threw her head back and took a deep breath. As she done so, she noticed the red cover of a notebook stuck in the smallest of gaps between the top of a tall wardrobe and the ceiling to the side of the room. Pulling a chair over, she stood on her tiptoes and removed the item and shown it to the girls. Is it this? Both girls looked equally as stunned. Yes, replied a rather confused Nancy. Caroline knew the answer to the next question, but she had to keep up appearances. Cindy, did you put this up there? 
No, Mum, I couldn't reach that if I tried. She was right. It took Caroline a chair and a stretch to get anywhere near it, and Cindy was half her size. It must have been the manny, Cindy muttered under her breath. A noise from the landing made all three of them rush outside. A large oil painting which was hanging on the far side of the landing had fell. Its glass had cracked straight up the middle. Oh, great, said Caroline, folding her arms in frustration. Shaking her head and heading over to take a look at the nail in the wall, she noticed a slight raising in the wallpaper of the wall to the right of where the picture hung, the shape of a large rectangle, covering at least a third of the wall. Stepping back to focus on this strange shape, she finally realised what she was looking at. That's the wall that the guy I call Manny stares at, smiling, said Cindy. A cold shiver ran down Caroline's spine as she realised the shape was the remnants of a window frame, long since filled in. That evening, after all the children had gone to bed, both Caroline and Roger had the same thing on their minds. So, began Caroline, thumbing the rim of her coffee cup. Have you noticed anything strange about the place? Roger gave her a look that in itself gave the answer. Why do you ask? Well, the girls have talked about seeing people, things moving, that sort of thing. There was a tension in the room, and even though he seemed to have something to say on the matter, she still expected Roger to dismiss her out of hand. But instead, he slowly nodded. Well, something's not right here. He walked over and shut the living room door so the girls couldn't hear, and then sat back down. Leaning in, he said in a low voice, The other day, when I was in the basement, well, something was down there with me. Caroline felt her heart quicken. Like what? She whispered back. Well... They both jumped to their feet and ran upstairs to the room the screams were coming from. It was Cindy. She was sat up in bed holding the back of her head and crying uncontrollably. He pulled my hair, she cried, fighting to calm her breathing. Who did, darling? asked a frantic Roger. Manny, she tearfully replied. Roger looked over at Caroline who just shook her head. He's one of the ones they've been seeing. She whispered quickly over the noise of the sobbing child as she rubbed her back. "'Well, he won't get you whilst I'm here, darling,' said Roger, holding her cheeks in his hands and looking her in the eye. "'Do you hear me?' Cindy just nodded and slowly regained her composure. "'Bad dream, that's all,' Roger said to his wife. "'That's all. A bad dream.' Caroline could tell he was trying to convince himself as well as Cindy. They left the room quietly after Cindy had fallen back asleep. As they went down the hall, Caroline placed her ear on the other girls' bedroom doors to check they hadn't been woken by the commotion. As she placed her ear against Nancy's door, it opened a touch. Caroline gently moved her fingers around the frame to quietly close it again when she heard Nancy talking. She peeked around the door, but... Nancy was completely asleep. 
Confused, she gently went to close the door again, when, from the direction of Nancy's bed, she heard a whisper. Seven dead soldiers buried in the walls. She quickly jarred the door open, but again Nancy was still fast asleep. What's wrong? asked Roger. Didn't you hear that? asked a shocked Caroline. Roger shook his head and nodded towards their bedroom, as if to say, hurry up. That evening, Caroline couldn't sleep. The house had always felt welcoming and a nice place to be. But right now, she could feel a dark shroud being pulled over more and more each day. She wondered exactly what had took place here. The building was over 200 years old. There was clearly a history. And if recent events were anything to go by, perhaps a dark history. She decided that the following day she would head to the library and research the history of the house. Thankfully, her thoughts slowly melded into the fleeting, unlinked thoughts which accompany sleep. Her eyes became heavy. The sound of Roger deeply breathing next to her aided her relaxation her eyes closing as they made out the dark and familiar silhouettes of the room. The dresser. The doorframe. The woman stood at the foot of the bed. She shot up immediately in a panic, waking Roger as she did so. What is it, hun? There was a woman, there was a woman at the end of the bed. Her arm was shaking as she pointed. Roger rubbed his eyes and looked, but, as expected, there was no one to be seen. You're letting all of this get to you, darling. Come on, get some sleep. But Caroline didn't sleep a wink. Instead, she rose at first light and made her way into the town. Returning home, Roger couldn't help but comment on the look on his wife's face. What's wrong? You look like you've received bad news. Are the kids okay? Caroline slowly nodded. I went to the library today checked on the history of the place. Roger sighed. Why would you do that for? You're just going to build things up in your head? Caroline placed a piece of paper down in front of him. He looked down at his wife's handwriting. 2SH 1SP 4FD What's this? Well, I didn't want to write it down fully in case the kids seen. But that, she said, pointing at the paper, that's two suicides by hanging, one suicide by poisoning, and four people froze to death, all on this property. The place is goddamn crawling with the dead. The last part of her sentence came out emotionally, as if fighting back tears of fright. Roger didn't know what to say. He looked back at the paper and read out the name written at the bottom. Bathsheba Sherman. Caroline nodded. She killed a kiddie in her care in the 1800s. Put a knitting needle through the base of its skull. She said it was an accident, but apparently folk thought she was a witch and it was some sort of sacrifice. The guy in the library says there's rumours she was hounded out and she hung herself on that tree. Caroline pointed to the large yew tree in the centre of their garden. 
Roger stared out of the window towards the tree. He was about to speak about all this nonsense when he noticed a brown station wagon making its way up the drive. Someone's coming to the house, are we expecting anyone? That'll be Mr and Mrs Warren, replied Caroline. Caroline's cousin had passed the details of the Warrens on to Caroline. She knew very little about the pair other than their names were Ed and Lorraine, and they would know how to deal with, well, with this. The couple were well-dressed and hard to pin down age-wise. Roger noted that Ed seemed to have something of a showman personality about him, which immediately rubbed him the wrong way. Caroline, however, was hanging on the Warrens' every word. Ed made notes as Caroline ran through the list of paranormal events that had taken place so far, whilst Lorraine held Caroline's hand and made sympathetic noises. Roger didn't like any of this. He felt like they were collectively building each other up into a fantasy frenzy. Sure, there was something off with the place. He admitted that. But hearing phrases like, and the local witch hung herself right in the yard, coming out of his wife's mouth, and it being accepted as gospel truth by these two strangers, well, it was all too much for him. Thankfully for Roger, this initial stay was brief, with Ed stating they'd taken enough details to be getting on with, but they would be back in touch once they discussed a resolution. Caroline walked them both to their car as Roger watched on from the doorway. Caroline, dear, Lorraine said as she opened her car door. I'm sensitive to the other side, and, well, there's a darkness in that house. When we come back, and with your permission, of course, I'd very much like to attempt a seance. Caroline nodded without hesitation, so quickly, in fact, that even Ed felt the need to interject. It's not something to enter into lightly, Caroline. This could well be dangerous. You have a proper think and we'll come back soon, he smiled. Although Roger thought the idea of a seance was ludicrous, he could tell by Caroline's demeanour that the fact something was being done seemed to have a positive impact on her, and so he begrudgingly agreed. The following week, the Warrens still hadn't been in touch, and one afternoon Caroline was laying on the couch, debating giving them a follow-up call. She pondered what she would say. She should just be blunt and... Caroline grabbed at her calf. Looking down, she could see blood was dribbling through her fingers. Hopping to the kitchen, she dabbed away at the area, revealing a perfectly circular fresh wound, as if punctured by some sort of needle. Her mind made the immediate jump to Bathsheba, the alleged witch who had killed an infant by puncturing them with a needle. Oh, I've done it loads of times, said Roger that evening. I've not noticed until it stings, but then I look and there's a cut of some sort. No idea how I got it. That's all this is, he said as he replaced the bandage to cover the now scabbing wound. No, Roger, it happened on the couch, right here. Roger bit his lip. Okay, okay, hon, whatever you say. Both Caroline and Roger's patience were being tested, but for very different reasons. That evening, Roger stayed up late to watch TV, 
whilst Caroline went to bed. Her mind was replaying the day's event over and over. She told herself the whole thing was in hand, the Warrens would deal with it, but it still took courage for her to reach over and turn out the light. The woman was at the foot of the bed again. This time Caroline couldn't move. The woman slowly seeped towards her, moving through the bed. Caroline closed her eyes as tight as she could. She felt a face moving closer to her left ear, and a raspy voice said, Get out, get out, or I'll drive you out with death and gloom. She threw the blanket over her head and felt as if her chest would explode. Just as she thought she would pass out with fear, the bedroom light came on. Are you okay, darling? I thought you'd be well away, said Roger, kicking off his shoes and getting ready for bed. Caroline quickly turned to face the wall. She knew he wouldn't believe if she explained what just happened. She wasn't sure she could believe what just happened. With what? Ed asked. Um, death and gloom replied Caroline. It was three days later, and the Warrens had returned to do their seance as agreed. "'Why didn't you tell me this happened?' whispered Roger to his wife. "'Well, you wouldn't have believed me anyway,' she snapped back. "'Well,' Lorraine began, "'I've had a walk through the house, and I think it's Bathsheba.' Ed nodded towards the perrons as if to rubber-stamp his wife's opinion. She sees you as a threat of some kind, and she wants you out of this house. Caroline shot a worried glance over at Roger. Let's join hands, Lorraine continued. The four of them were sat around a circular table in the living room. Candles, carefully positioned by Ed and Lorraine, were dotted around the room each a different height and casting various sized shadows around the room. Apparently, this was to make the room more welcoming to spirit. But to Roger, this was all just dramatics. At least he thought that until... A banging seemed to emanate from the walls all around them. The Warrens didn't seem phased, which shocked and scared Roger. What if... What if they're for real? Oh, how awful... Lorraine shouted, eyes closed. She's having a vision, whispered Ed across the table. It's her, Bathsheba. She's standing behind you. Her neck is snapped. Her head is like a desiccated hornet's nest. Lorraine's face changed as if she was trying to see her vision more clearly. Sunken black holes for eyes, thin yellow lips. As both Roger and Ed's focus had been on the mediumship of Lorraine, they'd both failed to realise that Caroline's head had dropped. Her shoulders rose up as if trying to cover her ears, and a low, deep growling was coming from her throat. Roger shot a look over to Ed and Lorraine, and for the first time since they had arrived, they both looked afraid. Caroline's head lolled back and then sharply dropped forward a number of times, as the growling continued. And then she began uttering some unknown language, each word full of aggression and bile. And then she was lifted from the table and thrown across the room into the opposing wall. Roger helped his dazed and confused wife to her feet 
and he felt the anger rise in his gut. If it wasn't for these two, he thought, things wouldn't nearly be as bad. In his mind, the Warren's presence had only exacerbated the situation and left his wife in mental distress in the process. Within moments of helping his wife from the floor, the Warrens had been turfed out onto the street by an angry, confused and afraid Roger Perron. It would appear the seance actually did help in some way, as although the Perron family endured six more years at the property before they could afford to move, by all accounts the paranormal incidents lessened in frequency and intensity. But, as you will no doubt be aware, the alleged experiences of the Perrons are some of the more controversial in the sphere of the paranormal. You'll recall at the start of the episode, it was implied a Mrs. Arnold took her own life in the barn, and you may have wondered about the inclusion of that, given the Warrens focused so heavily on Bathsheba. Well, Andrea Perron has a theory on that. She believes the menacing female presence was in fact Mrs. Arnold, and not, as the Warrens sided with, Bathsheba. She believes Bathsheba has been given a raw deal by both the Warrens and the film version of the story. In case you are wondering, Bathsheba was indeed a real person. There are historical records which tie her to the area at that time. But, other than anecdotal tales, there is no evidence that she sacrificed an infant, nor did she live near the farm. Bathsheba Sherman actually lived long enough to see her only son married before dying of natural causes. So maybe the Warrens backed the wrong horse, and the evil, horrid-looking, malevolent spirit was, as Andrea Perron states, that of Mrs. Arnold. But what of the house since the family moved? Well, the next residents, Norma and Jerry Sutcliffe, reported doors closing of their own accord the sound of people talking in empty rooms and footsteps running around in the middle of the night. In 2019, Corey and Jennifer Heinzen took up residence at the property. Corey states he's not had anything evil happen, but does claim the house feels very busy. There are still knockings, footsteps and doors opening by invisible hands. As ever, with all the true paranormal experiences that we cover here, our time just allows us to break the surface of the alleged activity. But for those wanting to take a deeper dive, Andrea Perron has herself released a series of books about the whole ordeal, named House of Darkness, House of Light. And given she was there at the time, I suggest you pick up that book before you press play on the film. Whatever is the truth about the Conjuring House, one thing that seemingly cannot be denied is everyone who's lived there seems to have had some sort of paranormal experience or something they can't explain. As I said at the start, you may find the icing questionable, but the existence of the cake seems to be beyond dispute. Thank you once again for choosing to spend your time with me here on The Dark Paranormal. Next week, of course, we have our season finale. And trust me when I say we will go out with a bang.
Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try to leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, here, on The Dark Paranormal. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.